wrestling fans, are you ready? For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! I'm back, so deal with it. Let's do this! Awesome. Welcome back, folks, to WrestleRant Radio here today for April 7th, 2015. I am your host of the most, Graham Houston Matthews, sitting alongside here with RJ. RJ, how's it going tonight? Doing good tonight, Graham. And also tonight, joining us for the first time ever here on WrestleRant Radio, the host of the one and only Cruise Control Podcast. Had a great time being on his show a couple of weeks ago, right before WrestleMania. Finally, we've got Randy Cruz at Randy Cruz on the Twitter. Randy, how's it going tonight? What's up, fellas? How you doing? Doing good, doing good. So like I was saying before, huge stack show here tonight. We're talking Monday Night Raw from last night, which I thought was a good show on the whole. I mean, not not a very hot last hour, and you can't expect, you know, the greatest thing from WWE coming out of a, you know, very monumental last week in wrestling with WrestleMania, that great Raw last week. Um, we're done with the two-hour specials here on WrestleRant Radio, back to normal, um, you know, going forward through the rest of the semester here on, on Endicott Campus EC Radio. But um, last night, big episode of Raw, but even bigger news breaking last Friday. We'll start off with this. WWE diva AJ Lee has retired from entering competition. Not only left the company, but is done with WWE. Not with wrestling, apparently, but the way they phrased it, with WWE. So, of course, this has been you know beat to death over the last four days. The news first broke on Friday. I texted you, RJ, immediately, because I know you were going to be bummed out as I was. Um, huge fans of AJ here at WrestleRant Radio. Um, dating back to our days in NXT t- in 2010, to our time with Daniel Bryan and CM Punk as the Raw GM and the longest reigning Divas Champion in history, easily a first class, um, first ballot WWE Hall of Famer at some point. I would not be surprised. But um, yeah, AJ Lee was not a matter of if, but rather when she would leave the company. It's now officially done with WWE. So RJ, I'll start out with you. What were your thoughts on AJ Lee officially retiring from entering competition as of last Friday, April 3rd? It was it was devastating, honestly. Um, you just said I got the text from Graham, and I was shocked for a minute. I had to go on Twitter, saw all the reports. I was like, geez, AJ's gone now, so let's see what the Divas can do now. But like I said, I started... I watched. I was watching NXT when AJ started off. She's probably my favorite on that season. It's not saying much because the other competition wasn't the greatest. But um, <laughs> Caitlin, Naomi, Caitlin, Naomi, yeah, Oksana, Maxine, Maxine, uh, and that other chick, exactly. Um, but I don't know. She always had like that, like just the looks. Like she's beautiful looking. Like she could wrestle in the ring, and um, she just always had like any character that she had throughout her WWE career. Like she played it well. She had like Daniel Bryan, Kane, Cena, Punk, Dolph Ziggler. I liked her when she was a Dolph Ziggler, probably out of all of them combined. She Best was great. Yeah, yeah, she was great with Dolph Ziggler. Then, um, like you said, she had the general manager mode and then became the longest reigning Divas champion of all time. I think great in the ring, great on the mic. It's going to be a, lo- a big loss to the Divas division, but hopefully they can pick up the slack. But like you said, she's easily a Hall of Famer whenever she's inducted, and um, it's sad to see AJ go. 
Absolutely. I feel like she was really not, you know, reaching her peak. Her peak was a couple of years ago, but she was still over as all heck. One of the biggest merch sellers in, in women's history for the WWE. I think that goes without saying. She's been a very popular figure in WWE for quite some time. She was ending the show back in the summer of 2012, like you said, in the various storylines with Punk and Brian and Kane. The list goes on and on and on. She closed out with her heel turn in 2012's TLC event in the, in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. We're going to be at SummerSlam this year as a nice little tie in there, a nice little segue. But um, yeah, I feel like AJ was really contributing a lot to the Divas Division, and it could not come at a worse time either. I mean, I feel like, you know, like I said before, I, I, I feel like you know, the, the fact that she's leaving is not surprising. We all kind of saw it coming. Just kind of when it happened was more of a shocker, you know, coming off of her big win where she submitted the Divas Champion at WrestleMania, got another win the next night on Raw in six Divas tag team action. Um, and then she's retired by Friday, so the timing of it was very odd and weird. And at least they acknowledged it last night on Raw. So, Randy, what were your thoughts on the retirement of AJ Lee last week? Well, I mean, just like you two guys, uh, pretty shocking. Um, you know, when you saw her at WrestleMania 31 competing, um, got the W with uh, with Paige, and by the time we know it, a week later, we we we're hearing that she's retiring. You know. Um, me, I thought it was more like an injury or something like that, or maybe, you know, the whole thing with CM Punk and, and stuff like that. But um, her retiring at, at, at age 28, um, to me, I'm, I'm hopeful that it's just something temporary, um, not permanent, that she'll return, in, you know, into some kind of ring action a year or two down, down the road. Um, you know, the rumors are, you know, something with CM Punk, or maybe she might be having a kid. Uh, I don't know. But I just know that she was definitely a, uh, a, a, a fan favorite. Her her character was um, was different than your normal diva. Um, like you said, she's the longest reigning diva champion of, uh, of all time. Uh, definitely had great character, great personality. She um, she gradu- uh, the fans loved her, and she's one diva that can play a great heel and a great babyface. So she played on both sides of the fence. Um, but right now, it, it definitely leaves a big void in the division. But that only means other divas right now have to step up, and there's plenty of, of people that can do that to fill the void for her. Um, but me as a fan, would I love to see her back in the ring sometime soon? Absolutely. I'm pretty sure all the fans would love that too. But for the time being, um, we just going to have to deal with her um, not competing for the, for the time being. And like you said, the reasons why she left were never really disclosed by WWE. It was a very brief statement on their website, on their Twitter. It just said that AJ Lee has decided to retire from in-ring competition. We wish her the best, and that was pretty much it. Um, but it's pretty clear, right. you know, like you said, given her real-life relationship, her marriage with former WWE superstar CM Punk, and the company being at odds with him right now and vice versa. So obviously it's a lot of bad blood between those two parties right now, and AJ was kind of stuck in the middle of it for well over a year. Punk left last January. Today's, you know, it's April 2015, so she was there and in that awkward environment for about a year and a half. So I don't blame her for leaving, like I said before. It would have been nice had we known, like she said, you know, on, on the go-home show to Raw, say, it's my final match is going to be at WrestleMania, or if I lose at WrestleMania, I have to retire. Like, add a stip to it or something, you know? Not just randomly, you know, walk, not not walk out like Punk style, but, uh, you know, just randomly right. announce it out of the blue. I feel like it would have added something storyline-wise. But at the same time, though... Had she stuck around, maybe she could have contended for the title one more time in Extreme Rules. She beat the champion at WrestleMania, 
But um, there really wasn't much more for her to do. Like we said, she has done, uh, she has gone above and beyond in WWE, winning the title multiple times, uh, a record three times, right up there with Eve Torres, uh, winning at WrestleMania, being the Raw GM. The list goes on and on and on. There really wasn't much more to do, much less people to work with, unless they called up like a Charlotte or a Bailey, who she endorsed last week on Raw in her final appearance on WWE TV by wearing her T-shirt. There really wasn't much more for her to do. She worked with Paige, she worked with the Bellas and everyone else, so I don't blame her for leaving. Like I said, just the timing of it was weird. Um, but someone did ask me this at the time as to whether the Divas division might suffer without AJ, without you know, her, with her being kind of leading the division right now, or at the time of when she left. Um, so, Randy, I'll ask you first. Do you feel like the the Divas division right now will thrive without AJ being at the helm? Um, I think it can. I think um, you know the, the the Divas now know that AJ Lee is no longer there, and it's time for them to step up. Whether it's, it's, it's Nikki still, it's Bree, it's Natalia, who I'm I'm a big fan of. I think her time is coming soon to be a, a, a champion. Um, others out there, too, is like, you know, with the whole Diva, you know, get Diva a, a chance, um, I, I was a fan of that because, you know, just seeing them on, on Raw or a pay-per-view match for only five, six, seven, eight minutes, um, it's not going to do much for them. And I think AJ Lee led that, led that uh, away for them. And now they, they just got to follow her first steps and, take the role, take, like, you know, what Vince would say, the brass ring of taking that honor of trying to be the best diva now. And I think the competition is going to be there now. Um, AJ Lee is not there, but now they say, you know what, who's going to step up? Who is the next best diva that's going to take her place? There are, now there are many options, just just the same way as there is for the for the men in their, in their um, division with the IC belt, U.S. title, the, the, the whole mid-card is stacked, and now that the Diva is stacked too, so um, it just remains to be seen who is going to take that next step. Right now, Nikki is a champion. Um, I think Paige could be the next stepping stone to being a great Diva champion, um, but the only time will tell. Exactly. I mean, I feel like there's so much talent right now in the Divas division. You have Paige, you have the Bell Twins, who have come a long way in the last couple of years. You have Naomi, who's on the rise, who was likely to be contending for the title at Extreme Rules in right. a couple of weeks. There's a lot of talent right now, and it seems like, I mean, obviously take it for what it's worth, the dirt sheets, whatever, but there was a lot of speculation, a lot of talk right before WrestleMania that now was the time the WWE started to take women's wrestling seriously. Obviously, they, they should have been doing this from the start, but better late than never, right. I guess. And they might as well start now with the with the women, giving them more time, as they did last night on Raw. Their match wasn't, you know, two minutes. It got about five minutes. It wasn't as long as last week. But it was a step in right. the right direction. So, I mean, it, it's baby steps with this company. I feel like they're going the right direction with these ladies. As long as they can continue to book them correctly, give them storylines and stuff like that, I feel like they'll be fine. There's a lot of good talent. Also, on the way up, too, Charlotte, Sasha Banks, Bailey. The list goes on and on and on in terms of great talent right now coming up in the not even the developmental system, the other brand, I guess I should say, NXT. And RJ, you brought this up to me too. Who could be replacing Agent? I thought that was a really good question. And the first person that came to my mind that I told you was Charlotte. And I feel like she could be on her way up. She should have been called up regardless of what happened with Agent. But I feel like her time is now one of the longest reigning NXT Women's Champions. She has done it all in NXT. Her time is now to be called up. Do you feel like uh, like Charlotte could be the next one to take her place in the main roster or any other diva right now, or woman, I should say, in NXT? Um, I think if it had to be anyone from NXT right now, I think it would be Sasha Banks. Um, even though she's the champion, I, they've seen like Seth Rollins, a big even NXT champion, and then go to the main roster, Paige, too. So, um, 
I don't mind Charlotte, but I just I don't know. I just think Sasha has the full package. She's more better in the ring, better in the mic, better look. I think Sasha Banks would play that good heel character that AJ used to play. I'm not gonna say she's AJ Lee Jr. over here, but yeah, yeah. She has, she brings her own mystique, and she'd be another good heel or possible babyface that bring to WWE. But I think the next diva from NXT that should come up should be uh, Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks or Charlotte, I feel like, would be great picks. And like you said, the only thing I have against Sasha is the fact that she's champion right now. But um, that wouldn't... Because I feel like with like with Paige, when she was called up as champion, she had basically done it all in NXT as champion. They just didn't have her drop the belt. She vacated and No one ever beat Paige for the belt. Um, so that said, I feel like with Sasha, she's just getting started. She just won the belt in February at the last TakeOver special. And so she's got a couple more months ahead of her, so I feel like they should call her up by the summer. I think by next year at WrestleMania time would be too late. But then again, I've said the same thing about Sami Zayn, and he has yet to be called up, so whoever really knows. But um, yeah, Charlotte or Sasha, I feel like would be great picks. And um, like you mentioned, I feel like her character, too, she really has it padded down in, in the sense that you look at all the heel divas that we've gotten in WWE over the last 10 years, how many of them have been crazy chicks? You know, uh, Mickey James... Victoria, AJ, Paige, the list goes on, you know? It's like, it's like the default women's character if you're a heel, and I feel like it doesn't have to be that way, and Sasha is not crazy. Um, she has her own, you know, she has her own character. She knows her character. Her character. The um, Sasha's ratchet chants, I feel like, are great. They're hilarious. Obviously, I don't think that would catch on to the main roster, but it's a nice little thing that the crowd has going with Sasha down in NXT. <laughs> But uh, to close out here on AJ, I feel like, yeah, her loss is a big... It's a big loss for the women's division on the main roster, but I feel like that role, um, that spot can be filled in at some point um, with the NXT women and everyone else right now in WWE. So I'm looking forward to how they kind of patch up AJ Lee's departure. And like I said before, it was nice they acknowledged it last night on Raw and they didn't completely, you know, hide the fact or whatever like they did with Punk. And obviously they left in two different manners, but at least you left on good terms for the most part from what it seems. Um, that said, though, Raw last night on the topic of such, like I said before, I thought it was a good show, kind of building towards extreme roles. But the biggest story of the night was that a triple threat match was set to be taking place in the main event between Randy Orton and Ryback, who didn't really deserve to be in there to be in the first place, aside from winning the main event of Raw last week, and Roman Reigns in a number one contenders match for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Winner faces Seth Rollins for the belt at Extreme Rules. So all three of these guys were in matches throughout the night against Kane, and all the uh, who is uh, Harper Harper versus and Ryback Big and Show and Reigns Big so Show and Reigns for the millionth time exactly so they had that match and the the finish of the main event was rushed beyond belief I don't know why I guess they wanted to get in the podcast sooner I really have no idea but the main event lasted all five minutes before Randy Orton won and became the new number one contender to the title so RJ I'll ask you first um, what were your thoughts on the ongoing story last night in terms of building up a new contender and what are your expectations for Orton versus Rollins 2 for the title this time at Extreme Rules um, I thought it was pretty random how they just had everyone wrestle in a singles match especially Kane and Norton and Big Show and Reigns which we've seen countless times Ryback made zero sense. I don't know why the hell Ryback was in there. Yeah. Maybe Ambrose. I don't know. Someone else like Ziggler. I don't know. I don't think Ryback really has done anything lately that made him seem like he's a threat for their main event scene. But I think those are just like filler kind of for most of the show. Like those three matches are filler. Like you like even if like they didn't make like a stip if like they lost they weren't in the match later on in the night. Exactly. So that was kind of random. Yeah. And then like the match was wicked rushed. It like went like five minutes and it yeah. was like. 
RKO, then Authority come in, and it was just like a disaster. I knew it was, obviously, I think everyone knew uh, Randy Orton was going to win. Um, I think Randy Orton versus Seth Rollins would be another good match, Extreme Rules. Still wondering what the stip is. I pretty, it has to be a stip. It's yeah, it's Extreme Rules. Extreme Rules. Yeah. Um, I've seen people say, like, maybe, like, since Kane's pissed at Seth Rollins, maybe, like, no interference I from, like, steel authority. Cage. Yeah. yeah. Rollins is the wormy yeah. type of yeah. heel anyway. Yeah, so Steel Cage or something like that. Um, I think they they work great together. They have chemistry. You put two workers in the ring, it's going to be a good match. So um, I'm happy for Rollins. I love him as a champion. So going forward, I hope they can keep building him up. We finally got that gloating promo, too, on Raw at the start of the show last night, which was glorious. I think, like you said, Rollins is really kind of uh, you know, making his way, paving his way into the future of WWE with the work he's currently doing as champion. But, um, yeah, Orton versus Rollins was kind of seen coming from a mile away. Ryback, I guess, because he won the main event last week, was the only reason why he was a part of the main event this week. And then you have Roman Reigns, who also technically doesn't deserve to be in there, aside from not getting his one-on-one match at WrestleMania, but whatever. Um, but like you said, Orton versus Rollins, too, at Extreme Rolls, their match at WrestleMania, I thought was the easily the most well-wrestled match of the night. Had a great showing. Both guys did. Orton beat Rollins, puts him in contention for the belt. All makes sense. I look forward to how they continue to build that feud going into the pay-per-view. So, Randy, what were your thoughts last night on the on the building of the main event and Orton coming out as the new number one contender to the title? Well, I mean, I, I figured going into um, into Raw and even into uh, Extreme Rules that it, it was going to be Randy Orton and Seth Rollins for the belt. Now, I don't know what kind of stipulation they're going to add to the match uh, because, you know, we all know that pay-per-view has a whole bunch of stipulations uh, could be a steel cage, could be no DQ, could be something like that, uh, just to make it more interesting. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't see Orton winning that match because you know just to have Rollins, you know, get the belt up right away would not be a a, a smart move. But the build up, it was, uh, like RJ said, it, it was weird how, you know, and the fact that you had singles matches, Orton and, and, and Reigns and Ryback, which, I mean, I don't know why Ryback was even in the picture. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of his. Um, but to have those singles matches and then to have them three in a triple threat later on, it, 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 was, it, it was like how, like, where was Daniel Bryan? Where was Dolph Ziggler? It felt like the other guys were not even there, and they had to fill up the time and have these guys wrestle twice in one day, which is like, okay, like, I don't want to see that. Like, like I don't want to see the Big Show fight no more. I don't want to see the Kane involved um, in, in, in matches no more. So, it, to me, it was a bit redundant of the same wrestlers coming out. But, I mean, it's what they it's, it's, it's they got to do to uh, produce a match, produce a Raw. And, I mean... Randy Orton is going to go to um, Extreme Rules and face uh, Seth Rollins for the belt. Should be a great match. I like the Seth Rollins match he had with Neville. I think that was one of the main uh, parts of Raw that, that, that I did really like. Um, totally different than, than the other matches. But uh, Randy Orton going to that match, I, you know, we're going to see a Randy Orton, you know, revengeful, a guy who never got his rematch from last year for, from WrestleMania 30. He never got pinned for the belt. He beat Seth Rollins at WrestleMania 31, so he has a chip on his shoulder. Should be a great match, but I, I do still see Seth Rollins winning that match. I feel like they could have given more time to the main event by cutting out those three prior matches. Like, those were completely right. pointless. Like, I mean, 
well, RJ and I were talking about this before, but Orton and Kane, I didn't think it was terrible. RJ called it terrible, but it was pointless, though. It only lasted a couple minutes. Reigns and Big Show was not horrendous, but we've seen them a million times. And then okay. Harper, you know, Har- Harper Ryback only lasted a couple minutes. It was fine for what it was, but none of these matches really served the purpose. And like RJ said, they never really had a stipulation attached to them that if they lost, they weren't in the main event, whatever. So it made no sense. Um, but like you were saying, Randy, I feel like, you know, it, like coming out of WrestleMania, I know they don't have Triple H. I mean, I don't know what happened to Triple H. He's not. He was on, on vacation big, tonight, and he was. And I heard, <laughs> I read a report today oh, that vacation, Stephanie. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I heard a report today that Stephanie might not be on TV for the next month. So I don't know where that leaves Triple H, whatever. She has to do something with the Eisenhower Convention, something like that. You can read it for yourself. But um, it, you don't have Triple H and Sting and Taker and Lesnar and all these other big stars on TV after coming out of, coming out of WrestleMania. But like you said, we have all these other stars that weren't on Raw last night. We had Brian Barrett, uh, Ziggler, Ambrose, and Wyatt. He was technically on the show in the promo, but he didn't he didn't wrestle though. He wasn't you know whatever. Um, and we'll talk about why in a minute. But I feel like they could have made up for that time and you know all that lost time with all those three random matches with those guys. And they confirmed last night during the app that we're getting Barrett and Brian. But casual fans have no way of knowing that if they don't go on the website or watch the app. I don't watch the app, so I would have never known had they not looked on the website. Um, so that said, I feel like you know they could have used the time wisely with those guys. But you mentioned yourself, or, uh, you mentioned yourself, uh, Randy, that earlier on in the show that we had um, a number of things going on. We had Sheamus going. We, we had the mid card title picture and all this other stuff. But one of the highlights of the show was Seth Rollins versus Neville. Neville being the surprise opponent for Seth Rollins on this show, a non title matchup, the up and comer, the newcomer. On the main roster, Neville, the artist formerly known as Adrian, having a really good matchup. I didn't think it was stellar. A lot of people got a lot of rave reviews. I didn't. I didn't think it was that great. I felt like my only nitpick with it was that um, Neville did not get in as much offense as I feel like he should have. I'm not complaining. He was in there with the champion. He looked good in defeat. But um, that's just merely nitpicking things. But still, though, you mentioned Seth Rollins versus Neville. I thought it was also another highlight from the show. But I want to get your thoughts on that uh, in more detail. Yeah, I, to me it was a it was it was a a great match because one this is Neville's second Monday Night Raw, and again this this is probably just a scuttle time because everybody else you mentioned was not there. Um, I don't know why, but to him to go out there in the in in the mid card time frame to face Seth Rollins in a non title match um, was great to see because we're we're all about seeing. The young talent, we're tired. I'm not saying tired, but we're getting a little uh, stale of seeing the, the older talent getting TV time more than more than the guys who who can go out there and perform. And, and Neville, people who know him from 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 uh, NXT and now Raw can get you know his his time to to shine. And the fact that you know him going against Seth Rollins is a major rub right out the gate. So now whatever plans they have for him going forward. They always got to remember, you know, he went toe-to-toe with Champ. The Champ is only a week old now, but he went in there on Raw. To me, he did his thing. Um, you know, was it a long enough match? I don't know. Um, did, was he non-offensive as you would have liked? I, I don't really uh, recall the match that well, but to me, when I was watching it, I was like, the oohs and odds. I was very entertained. The guy is, is still young, still talented, and just getting that that early rub from the champ is going to go a long way for him. Exactly, and I feel like we've talked about this ad nauseum before here on the show, RJ and I, in that I feel like with Neville, he has a limited potential, not because of how you know, he's not talented, whatever. He's an incredible athlete. He's tremendously talented. 
it's just how WWE, from what history has taught us, how they treat smaller guys. And it's not even like he's right. small. He's really small. Like, he's smaller than most people. Um, and, and he doesn't have the greatest mic skills either. But like I said, the guy is an incredible athlete, an incredible wrestler. So how far he goes remains to be seen. But putting him in there with the champion really does says, say a lot. But, you know, despite what I said before about him not getting enough offense in, um, you know, being in there with the champion alone is, is enough of a promotion. So how they book him going forward remains to be seen in terms of where his push goes. But I thought it was a step in the right direction. It says a lot in what they see in Neville as not really the future, but what, they, what it says about his future as the performer on the main roster. So, RJ, I want to get your thoughts on the matchup itself between Rollins and Neville. Did you think it was a good match? And moreover than anything else, too, I forgot to mention this, it was something new, it was something fresh, which is rarely the case with Rob, which was kind of the theme for the night was seen in Stardust, which we'll get into later. But, um, RJ, what were your thoughts on Neville versus Rollins? Do you think it helped Neville at all? I think it helped Neville a lot. Um, I, th I think I was kind of, like, skewed by your thing. I think at the first, like... Two or three minutes of the match before they went to commercial, Neville like dominated at first, and then right after the commercial, like the next five or six minutes of the match, it was all Seth Rollins, obviously. Another thing that I think they could have they should have had in it, which they didn't. They should have had at least him try the right arrow, and even if he hit it, even it should have at least missed it. I think even the Cam, who's just a casual fan, he goes, "Oh, what happened to Rollins?" I'm like, "Oh, Neville just fought uh, Seth Rollins." He goes, "Did he do the right arrow?" I go, "No." He goes, Pfft, "He sucks." <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, that's not true." But like. Like, I think that would have added more effect. Like, maybe he does the red arrow, but Seth Rollins moves the other way. So, like... Or, or hits him and gets his foot on the rope or something. Or something like that. Right? Like, or call. misses it and then, like, he gets curb stomped. Yeah. Something like that. I think it was... Just, and, like, J&J, &J, like... They interfered, They too. interfered a little bit. Nothing major, but, yeah. like... So, making... Like I said, making him look good in the They made him look good in the feet. Wasn't I think, a job or anything, And it's good you know? that now, like, we have no undefeated streaks. So we don't have to worry about that going for, like, yeah, a yeah. month of him being jobbers. But mm -hmm. I think it was good for Neville. Something fresh, like you said. It was nice to see Neville go out there, compete with the, the world champ right now. So uh, it's good for Neville, good for Seth Rollins, something new for the fans. And I think it was a good segment. It's more than better than seeing, like, Big Show and Kane or something like them. It's yeah, better to exactly. see someone new than seeing someone I can't stand. Exactly. So I'm glad they're right off the bat booking Neville well, even in defeat looking really, really good. Where he lands in the Extreme Rules car, nothing sticks out to me right now as being obvious um, if he's going to be on the card at all. But hopefully he will find his way into that show in some fashion, some form or fashion. But like I was saying before, a number of stars missing from the show. Bray Wyatt was on the show in some form or fashion in terms of the promo. And um, being the huge Wyatt family, uh, the huge Wyatt fan that you are, RJ, and we were talking this last week. We're not going to go into it again in terms of whether he should have won or lost. You believe he should have won at WrestleMania. We've already been there, done that. But time to focus on the future. Last night he cut another promo that was kind of like you could have copy and pasted from his previous promos the last couple of months talking about how he is the new face of fear. So basically, RJ, I pose this question to you. Who do you think Bray Wyatt is targeting in his promo now, that The Undertaker is come and gone? Who is he going after now? When I heard the promo last night, I honestly thought I was talking about Daniel Bryan. Um, I hope it's someone good. I don't want it to be like Kane or The Big Show. It's not going to be them. No. But I always – any like worst possibility, it's always them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know. It kind of sounded like he was talking about Daniel Bryan – um, talk about like someone that he can like, like in fear. I don't know who else he'd talk about. Like Ambrose, he's already done that. Orton's with Seth Rollins, so that wouldn't make sense. The only other face I could think of, like Ziggler, I guess, but I think he's higher up than Ziggler is. And like, I think it's Daniel Bryan, which kind of sucks. He probably won't beat Daniel Bryan, but um, I think it's who he's talking about. I, 
I like his promos. I just hate how he's never, like, he never legit wrestles. He's always doing promos on Raw and SmackDown. They should just, like, I don't care if he goes and beats, like, Xavier Woods. At least put him on the show. Like, I think that's one of his downfalls for the casual fan. Like, ooh, this guy talks a lot, but you never see him wrestle. I think that's, like, a downfall. But, like I said, I'm a big Bray Wyatt fan, so hopefully it's something good for him. Needs, I, I wouldn't mind if he beat Brian for the title. It's someone credible and... He needs some credibility behind him. He hasn't really won anything. He hasn't won anything since he's been in the WWE. So um, I think it would be good for Bray Wyatt to get some gold around that waist. But um, I've been saying that for two years, but, and nothing's changed. But hopefully they realize what they have with Bray Wyatt and the future is good for the new face of fear. Wyatt, to me, feels like an attraction, so I don't really have a huge problem with him not wrestling, but at the very least, the guy could come out and cut a promo in the middle of the ring, so at least we could see his entrance, the Firefly stuff. He did it on the go-home show, and, you know, coincidentally enough, one of his best promos that he cut in quite some time, so I feel like having him go out in the middle of the crowd and do it instead of the, pre instead of the, instead of the pre-tape promos would be better off from him, you know, make the promo feel a little bit more meaningful. Just my opinion. Like I said, just nitpicking things. But um, one name that I'm surprised that you did not mention, who I feel like he is going after next, that does not have a dance partner for Extreme Rules, Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns, as of right now, is not in the title picture. It's going to be Orton versus Rollins. I said before, I feel like they could have done a triple threat. Um, Reigns still has a claim, kind of, to be in that championship match at Extreme Rules is not a part of the matchup as of right now. So maybe we do Wyatt Reigns at Extreme Rules. Something but new, but the only issue... They both need to win. Exactly. They both need to win. We're back in the Ambrose-Wyatt <laughs> situation six months later. Um, so I don't know how well that would work out. But still, like I said, no, something new. I don't new. think the Ambrose-Wyatt thing was that big. Cause I, think, I think, like I said, I think Ambrose could afford to lose because he's just yeah. over as all hell. But Reigns and Wyatt need wins. After losing in the main event of WrestleMania, and they would definitely give Reigns yeah. the win. And Wyatt, I feel like, needs a win at this point. But it is what it is. But I feel like that's the direction they might be going in. But Randy, after hearing that promo last night from Bray Wyatt, who do you feel like he's going to target next? Um, man. <laughs> I think it's, uh, you know me, I, I, I think of weird stuff, man. I, you know, I'm thinking staying down the road. Um, I think it's too early for, for that. Um could be Daniel Bryan because like RJ said like you know Bray Wyatt is, is a great young talent but he's never had a, a title on him and I've been I've been thinking this I've been I've been saying this on, on Twitter and everything for a while like Bray Wyatt is is so talented like why why can't he get the US title why can't he get the Intercontinental title why can't he get a tag title you know um I don't know why he's been on this streak of just doing promos and losing matches. He, he's 0-2 at WrestleMania. Even if he fights uh, Reigns at Extreme Rules, do I see Reigns losing that match? No. And it, I don't know what direction they're going to go with, with Bray Wyatt. Um, it's very interesting. I would hope to see him build some kind of program with Daniel Bryan, maybe going into SummerSlam for the, for the Intercontinental Belt. I think... A, a title needs to be on Bray Wyatt just to solidify him as a as a talent that can be looked at as a potential champion. Because uh, they had a great match at that uh, that Royal Rumble from 2014, and, and that was already you know the match of the year, and the year just started. And I don't think they ever really finished what they what they were doing, or got a rematch to see how would it play out in a separate match down the road. So seeing a, a, a Daniel Bryan, Bray Wyatt feud now for the title could be um, very interesting now that now that the Wyatt family is, is, is not together. 
as they as they were back in 2014 at the Rumble. So who's he talking to? I, I really don't know. <laughs> Bray Wyatt just be talking, and, and I, I'm listening, but I really don't care who he's talking about because he's just, he's just so entertaining. It could be Brian. It could be Roman Reigns. Like I said, it could be Sting down the road. But all I know is that Bray Wyatt needs to start winning some matches. He, he needs to have needs to have a title um, around his waist. And I, I, I'm hoping that by SummerSlam um, they could put some title on him. If there's any heel that I feel like could be Brian for the Intercontinental title, it should be Bray Wyatt. Because if you look at it, look at the heel side. I mean, Sheamus been there, done that. Would not be as opposed to it as it would be with like a Brian or a Stardust. I mean, I know, again, it would be something fresh. But Wyatt feels like the primary pick above all else. The guy is yet to hold a championship of any kind. The Wyatt family members, Luke Harper and Eric Rowan, held the tag team titles in NXT. Luke Harper, former Intercontinental champion, where's Wyatt's title? You know what I mean? Like, we already already established that. Um, but, yeah, I feel like if they're not – I mean, they very well might be building to Bryan and, um, versus the world champion or the U.S. champion at SummerSlam, and the unification match would be great. But if they don't go that direction and they're going to keep the belt on Bryan for a while, the end game should be him dropping the belt to Wyatt. And I feel like it would be a great story because we've talked about this before, but in their long feud between Bryan and Wyatt, they feuded for like three or four months last year from 2013 to 2014 – and Brian, even including a match this earlier this year on Raw, like I think it was right before the Rumble, Brian never beat Wyatt, and Wyatt eliminated him from the Rumble this year. Brian is yet to beat Brian. Or Brian is yet to beat Wyatt. Excuse me, they have very similar names. Brian, Brian, exactly. I made that box before. <laughs> yeah, you made that box before. Yeah. Uh, not Brian. the first time, exactly. But um, yeah, I feel like of their many matches, you know, Brian has never beaten him in a singles one-on-one matchup, and he can finally do that. Brian. Beats Wyatt, you know, retains the title, but the feud continues, and Wyatt ends up winning the belt at SummerSlam. That would be great, but like I said, um, we got to focus on right now. I don't think that's where they're going right now, because like I said, the next pay-per-view, it's Brian and, and Barrett. So maybe at SummerSlam, I, I feel like that would be great. The first feud, that the, the first time around, was all about Brian and Wyatt being in the Wyatt filming together and him trying to manipulate him and going heel, whatever, and he did for a time and joining in the group. The story this time around is completely different. It's all about the Intercontinental title. And with a renewed focus on those mid-card belts, it would be a great feed for that championship. But um, speaking of such, the renewed uh, the, the renewed focus on mid-card championships, the United States title has also been doing pretty well lately with the open challenges from John Cena and him calling out random superstars on Raw. Last week it was Dean Ambrose. This week it was Stardust. Two great matches. Really enjoyed the Stardust seeing the match last night on Raw. Of course, Cena coming out victorious. Still the United States champion. So, uh, Randy, I'll ask you first. What are your thoughts on the John Cena Open Challenge, and where do you see it kind of leading to? Do you see any surprises down the road? Um. Well, one, I I, I do like the idea of him doing an Open Challenge um, every every Monday night on Raw to, uh, for competitors. Now, do it, now, does that mean John Cena is going to win every single Monday night? Um, then I think that's what's, what it's going to be. But at least you'll have high potential matches with guys like Ambrose and Stardust. And I'm pretty sure there are people lined up um, to, to, to fight Cena for the U.S. title. Um, it, it's good. It's something new. It, it keeps John Cena involved. It keeps the fans uh, kind of wondering, like, you know, can, can John Cena win every Monday night and keep the belt going forward? Um, it just it just sparks new interest. Now, to me, uh, like I said, I always, I always think outside the box. Um, I got an idea, and if and if I'm wrong, then I, I'm 100 wrong. But if I'm right, then I there it is what it is. But to me, 
in the promos, John Cena keeps saying, you know, prestige and this, and the U.S. title goes back to this day, even on the commentary of our former WCW wrestlers winning the belt and, you know, making it legit. Now, I don't know. We're in April now. I don't see John Cena losing the belt anytime soon. So now we're looking at, let's say, SummerSlam, August area, August time. So now... You said any surprises. Now, I won't be surprised if we're like in July or something, maybe June, June, July, maybe early August, and John Cena is issuing another a, another challenge for the, for the U.S. belt because he, he'll beat everybody by the time we get to SummerSlam. And then I wouldn't be shocked, and, and I said it on my podcast about two weeks ago or and, and also on Twitter last night. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he calls out the next competitor and I hear Sting's music, and I'm going to tell you why. Because, one, Sting was a former U.S. champion uh, on multiple occasions. The U.S. title originated back in WCW. And they keep saying prestige and the, and, the, and, the, and the Hall of Fame people who have held the belt. Now, can Sting John Cena put put uh, people in, at Barclays Center for SummerSlam? I, I very do think so. Now, who will go over? I have no idea. But by the time Cena gets to that point, who else, who else is out there to, to fight John Cena? That can be a big potential money match that can uh, go along with a, a, a separate main event to go with a likely Brock and, and Rollins at SummerSlam. Um, but Sting and John Cena, it's, it's still a big match. Can Sting win the U.S. title? It's a possibility. So that's the idea that I have going forward. I don't know if you if you thought about it or whatever, but like I said, if I'm wrong by, <laughs> by summertime, then I'm wrong. And if I'm right, then I'm just going to kick back and just say, hey, I th- I told you on Graham's podcast in, in <laughs> April that thing is gonna that that crow music is gonna come out and challenge John Cena, and I think people will be like, "Oh wow!" Like now, can can John Cena beat Sting, or can Sting, you know, get some revenge from losing to Hunter at at WrestleMania and be the U.S. champion? So that's an idea, and and I definitely want to know your your thoughts on that. That didn't even cross my mind, but I like the idea. Not more so in like an open challenge like on Raw, because I mean that's a marquee matchup, like you said. Like at oh, Summer- no, 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 it's definitely on Raw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like at SummerSlam, like you said, I feel like it would be great. Love the theory in that, like you said, it's not just random because Sting does have history with that championship. It's a WCW title, so it would make sense. And we've talked about it here on the show before, and I think I talked about it with you too. In that Sting, there is not many quote unquote dream matches. For him in WWE. I know there's a lot of great talent, but I'm not going to see at WrestleMania next year Sting versus Ziggler or Sting versus Ambrose. He's going to work with main event guys. The only up and coming guy that I can see him working with is Bray Wyatt, like we talked about before. Uh, in terms of main superstars, there's Triple H, Undertaker, and John Cena. No one else makes sense. So I feel like John Cena is a money matchup. I mean, it doesn't, like, scream, you know, it's not something too, too random because, like you said, the tie-in with the United States Championship, and if they really want to pop a big number for SummerSlam, I know they don't go by buy rates anymore because they're not on pay-per-view, but network subscriptions, Sting at SummerSlam, can he avenge his loss from WrestleMania? Can John Cena continue his streak as U.S. champion? Beat the, the WCW icon? That's a big draw. That's something that you can headline... I mean, Sting wouldn't wrestle on a B pay-per-view, but that's something that you could headline a, a battleground with. But it has to happen at SummerSlam, like you mentioned. Love the idea, and I would I would love to see that happen. I mean, I feel like the, the U.S. Challenge Open, like I was talking about with RJ before, it's a great idea. You can at some point bring in a Sami Zayn or a Thimble or a returning guy, like a, I don't know, if they wanted Rhino to come up for a day after being in NXT for a while, given their history over the U.S. title, coincidentally enough, uh, over, you know, 10 years ago. 
But um, Sting, I mean, I think that's a very realistic possibility. I would like to see that. I mean, um, is it likely? Probably not. But I love the idea, though. It comes SummerSlam, and like you said, if it does happen, you can say that you, that you called it first. I haven't seen anyone else pitch that, so I think it's really interesting. So RJ, get your thoughts on Sting versus John Cena in, in the U.S. Open Challenge as a whole. I think I could see Sting and John Cena. I think, I think, like you said, they have they have like the history. You could do like. He was like United States champion back in WCW. He's gonna fight Cena. I think Cena would have to win though. Like Sting being the U.S. champion would make zero sense. Like who would he face against? Probably. Do you think he could vacate it right afterwards? Maybe like Bret vacate. Hart did? Yeah, no, maybe. Bret Hart. He, I think he won it from Miz, and then he lost it like the next week because he vacated or whatever. Yeah, you know? I could probably do that. Um, I like the Cena challenge thing, the like U.S. Open challenge. But the thing like I was telling you earlier, like I like it, but like. Why can't Stardust wrestle like Ziggler and have a good match every week? Why can't uh, Bad News Barrett and Sheamus or someone like that have like a five-star classic? But now that Cena has the belt, like everyone he has wrestling and has a good match, like they're making it seem like, I don't know, I feel like these guys could have great matches with other people, but just because it's Cena now, like they have great matches on Raw now. Like Stardust had shitty matches up now. He's facing John Cena, so let's make him look good. It just, I think, I like that the, like, I like the concept. I like how like he's the fighting champion. Doesn't care who it is. Like he'll fight anyone. But I think it just it sucks for the guys that he's wrestling against. They look good against Cena. Then like they're on superstars the next week wrestling against like our truth, our truth, or Darren Young or someone random. Exactly. I think it's good. But like whoever wins, it could like mean a lot for them finally beating Cena. But I don't think I, I don't see that happening until down the line. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not complaining that we're getting great yeah. matches, so, but. I do definitely agree that why do they give these guys the opportunity? And I feel like, you know, they would they should give them the opportunity. We're giving you this one shot against the face of the company. Go out there and shine. And they have this great match. And I feel like they should from that point, okay, we're going to run with you. We're going to give you a push, give you more time going forward. Is that the case? Probably not. We probably won't see Stardust another great match for a while, unfortunately. Like you said, the guy's an incredible athlete, Cody Rhodes. Huge fan of his, not so much of the gimmick. But, um, yeah, I mean, with a three-hour Raw, there really is no excuse as to why he should not have breakout performances every single week. Like, when he had that match, he had a few matches against him, but him and Randy Orton have always had really good chemistry. Every match they have had in the last couple of years has been great, but it's only when it's Orton or Cena or, you know, Sheamus or whoever is that he's really starting to get over and have great matches, whatever. That should not be the case. It should be him, you know, more often having really good matches. But I do agree with that point. But like I said before, though, I'm glad that we are getting um, classics, so to speak, instant classics from John Cena every week on Raw. Helps the belt, helps his opponent, and in the long term, it's really going to pay off for, like RJ, when you said eventually someone beats him, whether it be uh, a Finn Balor or a Sting or whoever it might be, it's going to mean something down the line. Him and Rusev right now, I get it. They want to blow off the feud. Um, what you do with Rusev following Extreme Rules remains to be seen, but the U.S. Open Challenge, I feel like, is a really good idea for right now. So one of the other marquee matches from Raw last night that I do want to talk about that did not really get the recognition it deserves was The Miz versus Damian Mizdow. Now, after months and months and months of building, they were given the quote-unquote death slot last night on Raw, you know, right before the main event where no one cared, and the crowd was not great anyway. They were actually pretty bad. They were pretty deplorable throughout the night. Maybe it was wrong acoustics, whatever it was, acoustics, um, but the crowd was pretty quiet for most of the night, including this matchup, and it did not deserve that treatment. The, the feud, the match has been built up for so long. It deserved a better payoff, and I'm not complaining because I feel like we will get the blow-off at Extreme Rules and some sort of stipulation matchup. 
But, um, you know, on night one, was not a huge fan of it. The match itself was fine, but the people did not really care about it, considering where it happened in the night. So, RJ, I'll start with you. Um, what were your thoughts on Miz versus Miz Dow from last night, and how do you see a stipulation coming to fruition either at the pay-per-view in the next couple of weeks? Honestly, I was watching the National Championship basketball game and did not see the Miz and Miz Dow. There you go. There you go. That kind of <laughs> says it all right there. <laughs> literally, it said Miz and Miz down next. I'm like, all right, I'll check on the basketball game. And literally, right when I turned back to Raw, it was the main event. That's why. That's exactly. That's how the whole third hour was not good, and they rushed it because they had competition. I looked at my timeline. I don't know what during ma- what match it was. I think it might have been – oh, I think it was right before the Jericho podcast. Everyone was watching the game and not listening to the podcast, and that might have been what it was. Um, but yeah, that kind of goes to show what I'm talking about. They should have had it either open the show or whatever, because the match of that caliber is it like a? It should have been a pay per view. Also, I was like, all right, it's probably gonna be a blow off match anyway, so they'll have some extreme rules. Yeah, so I wasn't that mad about it. They'll probably do something at the pay per view. But on night one, I don't know why they did it so late in the night and the way they booked it. Like Miz winning is fine because they'll build they'll build to Miz, uh, Miz Dow, excuse me, Sandow, whatever. Finally getting his big win of the pay per view, but. Um, just odd booking, considering its placement on the show and how it went down, whatever. But, uh, Randy, what were your thoughts on the matchup? Hey, Graham, I had to break it to you, but I, I was watching Duke in Wisconsin, too, man. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> was I the only I mean, one I mean, watching this matchup? <laughs> yeah, I think you were, but, you know, just to, you know, just to whole, you know, bring everything together. Um, like you said, it was, it was a good few going on. Um, the payoff they got last night, um, at Raw, um, wasn't really fair to, to, to both of them um, because they're both very entertaining and, and have been entertaining for the last few months. Um, the same thing with the whole Gold Dust and Stardust where I don't even know why that feud evaporated, but that's something different. Um, but I think at some point, uh, we all know, I'm, I'll, I'll call him Sandow. I think Sandow can, um, is very talented. He can wrestle. You know, He's a former Money in the Bank winner, if I'm not mistaken. So at some point, they got to... You know, get this out the way, this whole stunt thing with, with Ms. Dow and turn him back to, I'm not saying turn him heel, but just turn him back in, turn him back into that old character where people can really, you know, view him not as just um, as, a, as an entertainment act, but someone who can actually wrestle in the ring and, and do and have a great body of work. So um, a stipulation match at Extreme Rules, I, I do see it. I hope it's not something stupid or corny. Um, because those two guys are very talented. But I think going forward, Miz Dow would have to go over on Miz. And hopefully he'll go back to his old character, which I, I, was, a, I was a fan of, the whole scholar stuff, um, which I think can now, can now be more entertaining with, with him as a babyface. But it just, it just remains to be seen um, where they go with him, because he could be another guy that could be adding you know, into the whole mid-card area. So, um like, I mean, like I said, I was watching college basketball, but I think overall the feud um, has to end um, at the pay-per-view and see Sandow really take a, a, a different step going forward. Sandow has a lot of potential, and if they drop the ball on him coming out of this feed, it would not be the first time. I mean, lest we forget the Money in the Bank cash in where he had this great match and people were claiming, you know, he's going to be looking strong coming out of this. He'll be better than he would have been had he cashed in successfully. And the next week he was losing like Kofi Kingston. You know, so hopefully coming out of this angle, they can repackage him as Damian Sandow. The Miz Dow thing has limited shelf life for right now. And people still love him, which is great. 
But um, I think the money with Sandow, like you said before, the character that he had is, as the wise-ass, the most, uh, the entertainer of the masses, or intellectual savior of the masses, excuse me, um, was great. I thought it was a great gimmick. I thought it was really over. People were starting to catch on, catch on before he started doing the whole... I don't know what it was, the whole thing where he would become a lumberjack and a dancer in leotard or whatever. He was doing like the various gimmicks every single week. It was catching on and people started to like him. So hopefully going forward or after Extreme Rules, once this feud runs its course, they can finally run with Damian Mizdow, Sandow, whatever they want to call him, as a, maybe not a top star, but as a quality player on the main roster. So last note on Raw here before we get into the Chris Jericho podcast from last night, live with Chris Jericho with John Cena. Um, last note here in terms of the Sheamus repackaging. We talked about it a little bit last week, not too much, um, but I did want to note this. I just, I'm just i just loving Sheamus right now. I'm going to come up right out and say it. I feel like Sheamus is a heel. He's been a lot better as you know suited as a heel in the past, and I feel like he's been doing a really, really good job. Um, in the last couple of weeks as a heel with the new hairdo, the you look stupid chance. I mean, as a heel, it works great. The promo that he cut last night was good. He had a fine match against Mark Henry, and the fact that he's being built up for a feud to Ziggler can be really good as well. So, um, RJ, your thoughts first on a feud with, or on the whole idea of Sheamus going heel. I know you're not the biggest Sheamus fan. Neither am I, but I feel like got to give credit where credit is due. They've done a really good job of kind of turning him around and making him at least somewhat interesting again with a new theme, new look, etc. I think the new look's stupid. I agree with the crowd. I think the mohawk is pretty dumb. I like. I don't mind like the braided, the braided, the braided beard, like yeah. beard. I think that looks better. I think they should just. They shouldn't have went. I think the mohawk's a little over the top. I think the new theme alone's really good though. I like his new theme. It, it screams heel. So um, I like that. He has like the new like. I like his new like. I guess attitude as a heel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like you said, he worked a lot better as a heel when he debuted. Anyways. Um, and I guess he's going against Ziggler. That's what it is. I think it's good for the mid card guys, but it's not like I can't wait to see Sheamus and Ziggler. Yeah, exactly. I feel like down the line, I mean, I feel like they should have just done a four way for the belt. They should have just done Ziggler, Sheamus, Brian Barrett. I feel like that the card would have been better off had well, they just done this one. Just... They could add someone in tonight on SmackDown. They very well could. I mean, they're having a tag team match tonight on SmackDown. I mean, Sheamus did beat the champion after all. He beat him via count on SmackDown last week, so they could change it. But why not just announce it off the bat? But whatever, we have a couple weeks. Uh, but uh, Randy, what were your thoughts on the repackaging of Sheamus in recent weeks? I couldn't wait for Sheamus to be heel again because I... I, I... I was growing tired of him being being a, a face. Um, I mean, after a while, I was just like, you know, he wasn't getting the pop um, that he was getting when he first turned baby face. And it was only, to me, it was only a matter of time, you know. It, it, it was the same feeling how we wanted Orton to go heel, and then all of a sudden we wanted Orton to go face. It was just that only that, uh, a matter of time with the character needed repackaging, a whole new look. Um, new theme music. I was never a fan of the theme music he had. Um, but him turning heel, n- new entrance, n- you know, the new mohawk. Um, some people are not a fan of it. Some people call it stupid. I, I like it because right away you see him with that mohawk and people are going to automatically see him as, oh, he looks stupid. Okay, boom, you already got heat. And I think that was that was a smart way to do it. Um the way he came in with the hair, it, it, it always reminds me of how Jericho first came into into WWE. He had that funny-looking haircut, the the, the 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 blonde hair, all ponytail up in the sky, and he knew right there and then if I did my hair funny, and I, I would automatically generate some heat. So just just 
just with the hair alone on Sheamus is generating heat. Now he, he's fighting um, all the good guys. He's putting himself in some potential um, IC title match down the road. Uh, with you saying that why isn't it a four-way, I think it's better to have Brian and Barrett now and then at the next pay-per-view you involve whether it's Ziggler or Sheamus because I think if you have all four now, it's, it, they're kind of rushing these these great potential matches and everything, you know, the the Intercontinental belt should not always be a seven-man ladder match. It should not be a fatal four-way all the time. I mean, you know, once in the blue, but at some point you got to start generating great one-on-one matches, which I think Daniel Bryan is going to do with Barrett at the pay-per-view. Then down the road, he'll, he'll have Sheamus, he'll have Luke Harper, he'll have Stardust, he'll have so on and so forth. So I think going right away a fatal four-way um, I think that's a, uh, a, a rush, which I'm glad they're, they're not doing as of now. But, and, you know, anything can happen. They can switch it up. But I think if they leave Sheamus and Ziggler out of it for now would be smart. But I, I, to answer your question, I love the whole repackaging. I, I'm a, a, a tweener on being a fan of his and being a fan, uh, not a fan. But I think with him being a heel, he brings more potential um to the company, and I, I was a fan when he was a heel back in '09 when he was when he had the John Cena feud and he he won the belt at TLC '09 and people hated him, people did not like him, and me I was like, hey, I, I like this guy because he's somebody new, somebody different, and I think him going back to his roots of being a heel would only benefit him down the road. Absolutely. Why they turned him face to begin with? I guess he might have been stale at the time that he turned face back in like right. 2011, I think it was. But you made a great comparison with Orton because Orton, too, is another guy that was face for maybe like three years, I think, before he finally turned in 2013. And why uh-huh. people started to petition for him to go back babyface was because his alliance with the authority bombed. I mean, it did not work out. The guy was getting no heat. It didn't really work out because he was made to look like a complete coward. And I'm glad the rumors did not come to fruition that he's, that he's being paired, Sheamus, that is, with the authority. Because I think on his own, he will shine. Like you were saying, the new theme song, I think it's great. The new look, it's unique. It's not great, but it's unique. And like you said, uh, Randy, in and of itself, it's going to generate heat. So it's great for Sheamus looking forward to, as to what he does um, going forward in terms of his new heel persona. Whether he goes after the Intercontinental title or not, we can see a four-way at the pay-per-view after Extreme Rules. So I look forward to that. But to close out the show now, in the last couple of minutes that we have left, live with Chris Jericho last night on the WWE Network, the third consecutive podcast on the network, the first two being with Stone Cold and Triple H and Vince. Both great podcasts. If you haven't already heard them, go back and check them out on the network. You must have already heard them by this point. Um, But I guess Stone Cold, there was a lot of rumors that he had heat with WWE, which are not true. Check out his podcast from today on Podcast One. He talks all about it. So, I mean, no no heat there. He just was not, they didn't come to a deal, so it didn't come, you know, come to fruition. So they called up Jericho instead. And a lot of people, there was going to be a lot of concerns as to whether it was going to be too company friendly and whatever else. Um, it's going to be a watered down version of the podcast. I mean, there's not many controversial questions you can ask John Cena to begin with. And I thought it was a really fun podcast. They had a really kind of took a lighthearted comedy approach in the early beginning, talking about their personal history and OVW, um, his stuff with The Rock, a potential heel term, which I'll get into in a second. But, um, Randy, just right off the bat, what were your general thoughts on the podcast last night on the WWE Network from Jericho and Cena? Um, I liked it. Um, it. It was a different comparison uh, to what Stone Cold did with, with Vince and, and, and Hunter um, before. Uh, I, I think Jericho did a great job. I think it was a great job slash 
playing it safe, um, you know, because we all heard about the rumors of how Stone Cold was not doing a podcast no more on, on the network because for whatever reason, his backstage heat and some of the questions he asked um, Hunter at the previous podcast. But uh, overall, I think he played it safe. I think John Cena was very, you know, you know, thoughtful and insightful on the answers he was providing, some some throwback stuff, some new stuff. Turning Hill was obviously a question that was going to be asked um, going back to the days of him being the rapper character and just, you know, his main thing is just to entertain the fans and also be a helpful person to the to the young and upcoming talent because uh, everybody thinks Cena is given everything. But he, you know, this is one guy who, who really – genuinely loves the business he's there every single day every raw every smackdown pay-per-view live event you name it the guy is there and i think you know us as fans we got to come to a point where you know listen john cena is there every day you know some guys are, are hurt we get part-timers who come in and out get all the fame money contracts championship belts but John Cena is the one constant in that company. And, you know, say whatever you want about him. He got five moves of doom or whatever you want to call it. But this guy is is consistent. And, you know, he's one of the greatest of all time. Uh, he's one time championship time away from Ric Flair. I know a lot of people don't like that. Um, whether he ties it or breaks that remains to be seen. But I think Jericho overall did a great job, great questions. Um look very cool and calm and everything, not pressured, not like teetering. But at the same time, I, I think he played it a little, little safe, um, just so that, he, just so that he don't get a call or text later on, like you know, you can't come back, so we're gonna find somebody else. But um, like you said, Stone Cold put the rumors to rest about you know any any backstage cheat or whatever. So overall, great podcast. I'm interested. I'm interested to see who who is the next guy they're gonna have be a guest on, whether Stone Cold comes back on or, or Jericho. Um, but I'm a fan of it, so those who haven't checked it out, go check it out. Um, it's a great listen. Absolutely. I feel like it, I think it's a monthly thing now. I think they announced a couple of weeks ago the new podcast format will be monthly. They've had one every two months dating back to the Austin interview with McMahon back in December. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it was very enjoyable. I'm a Jericho-holic, so I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'm definitely biased in that respect. But, I mean, if, if you're going into this interview thinking that you're going to get something controversial or, you know, what we got basically with Austin and, and Vince and Triple H last two times, you're not going to get that. The only, you know, pushing of the edge, like you said, kind of pushing the envelope was when he was talking about his five moves of doom, the steroid use. What, what else is he going to say? Yes, and that he uses steroids. He probably doesn't. <laughs> anyway, but the fact that he even asked that was stupid. Like, he's going to admit right then and there that he uses steroids. But um, the, the turning heel thing that you know had to be asked, that that was like the number one question that must be asked. It's not, you know, making Cena look bad. And he wasn't going to ask questions like, why did you bury Umaga in like 06? Like, what do you think he's going to ask? You know, it's a WWE network. It's not Austin would even right. ask something like that, you know? Um, so they're not going to ask any questions that put John Cena in a bad light. But, I mean, this goes without saying, but for me personally, I was really enjoying the fact that they went more in depth with not only about John Cena turning heel, why it wouldn't happen, but also if it was ever considered and he finally put the rumors to rest. I know there was a report about this, wrote a whole article about this a couple of weeks ago, that it was scheduled to happen back in 2011. And he went so far to say that when they ran the idea by him to do it during the suit of the rock back in 2011, 2012, 
he ran out, got new gear, recorded a new theme song. Like He was going to go all out, which I thought was awesome. And they talked a little bit more in depth about his feud with The Rock, which, again, was a little bit more current, which I enjoyed, too. They didn't go too far back. The OVW stuff was fun, but if the entire podcast was about you know inside jokes between Cena and Jericho, it might not have gone over as well, but I thought, on the whole, that it was very, very entertaining. But, RJ, what were your thoughts on the podcast last night? I liked it. Um, like I said, I liked how we went back to OVW and talked about working with Lesnar, Batista, or and Shelton Benjamin's the name, the people they named. Um, I started watching right when they all pretty much debuted, so um, it was good to see him talk about coming up and how he got his first chance against Kurt Angle and how the rapper gimmick started and him rapping in the back of a bus or a van with Rikishi and uh, for, I think they said Tajiri. It's one of random people. Tajiri, so, Ultimo Dragon, and Funaki. Funaki, yes. He was hanging out with them, and then he got his big run. I liked how they talked about like the heel turn. Obviously, he's not going to say he did steroids, even yeah, if he did. Exactly, yeah. Stupidest question ever. Yeah. Um, like you said, that he wasn't asked. He wasn't. He like Granny said he played pretty safe. He didn't ask. It's not like Cena has a lot of controversial things he could say, anyways. Yeah. I think like the worst thing you could say like Brian bring up his divorce or something like that. Or pers- yeah. Anything yeah. personal life would probably have been like that. Probably be, like the most pushing the line, like, pushing the line a little line, bit, yeah. but um. I don't, like you said, I don't think Cena really was like controversial like Triple H or uh, Vince are. So I like it was good for it was good podcast. I didn't expect it to be controversial, so I went in with an open mind. I liked him talking about him and Rock, and I think it was a good podcast. I don't know who they're gonna do next, but I think it'd probably be like Orton or someone that's high. Hopefully not like Big Show or Kane, but maybe yeah, Big Show or Kane. Those ratings would plummet. <laughs> but no besides that, that, it was a good podcast. I thought. But you mentioned this too, and I did not know this. Maybe it was just me, but when Cena talked about his debut match against Angle, I did not know. And I don't know if this is storyline or legit. I'm pretty sure it's legit based off the way they didn't they weren't talking in kayfabe. But um, Cena mentioned that Angle was supposed to wrestle Undertaker that night on that episode of SmackDown, and he didn't show up. He was injured, whatever. He couldn't show up, so they put Cena out there instead. So had Undertaker shown up, would John Cena ever had gotten his opportunity? Probably, or in some form or fashion. But the way that it went down is so iconic, you know, over 10 years later, over 13 years later. Um, so th- I thought that was interesting. I did not know that. But, yeah, on the whole, really enjoyed it, and I look forward to who else they bring on next. Whether it be a current performer, like I, I think a Brock Lesnar would be great. I know he's not the greatest talker in the world, but, you know, Paul Heyman I think would be incredible, Paul too. Paul Heyman would be really Paul good. Paul Heyman would be really good. And you don't have to go just with – current personnel you can go with like a legend like a Shawn Michaels or a Bret Hart because I feel like those active legends um, would also be really good podcast hosts or guests on the podcast in the WWE Network but um, yeah enjoy the podcast enjoyed Raw Extreme Rules should be pretty good it's always good so I look forward to the pay-per-view in a couple weeks but that's going to wrap it up you're at WrestleRant Radio for April 7th 2015 of course first and foremost Randy thanks so much for coming on brother um, it's been a long time coming glad I was able to do your podcast and now vice versa Great talking to you. But before we let you go, at Randy J. Cruz on the Twitter, make sure to check out his podcast, at The Cruise Control on SoundCloud and Blog Talk Radio. Both great formats to listen to his opinions on wrestling and other sports and everything else going on in the world. But, Randy, any other uh, places where the people can find you? Uh, no, you uh, you pretty much said it. It's, it's blogtalkradio.com slash hitsradioshow. Also on soundcloud.com slash hitsradio. Uh, Network and again, thank you uh, to you and RJ for having me on. Like you said, it's been a long time coming. Me and you always have great conversation when it comes to uh, to wrestling. So um, I hope I hope I did a great job. <laughs> so uh, hopefully, <laughs> absolutely, I'll be back. man. Um, but 
but again, man, thank you, and I, and I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. Always great to talk to you. And like I said, uh, yeah, very fun talking to you for the last hour, so hopefully we can get you back on here down the line. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Sounds good, brother. Talk to you down the road. All right. RJ, we're wrapping up here tonight. But final two news notes here. We're not going to go in-depth. I'm not going to explain here, but I forgot to mention this. SmackDown moving to USA Network. I almost said sci-fi. In early 2016, looking forward to that. And tough enough, long time coming. Finally announced, moving to the USA Network. I thought it was going to be on the WWE Network, but now it's to the USA Network, June 23rd, Tuesday night, 8 o'clock Eastern Time, 7 Central. Very much looking forward to what you and I are both fans of Tough Enough 2011 or the whole you know concept. I thought it was great. You can watch it now on the USA Network or on the WWE Network. Yep. Um, I watched it a couple days ago, but looking forward to both of those things. But any more thoughts before we go off the air and shout-outs, plugs, everything? You got the This mic. is a thought. I was going to jump in earlier when it was a thought. When we were talking about Rusev and Cena, what you could do with Rusev going on, this is so, like... Bizarre. It's not bizarre, but it's so over the top. I yeah. think it could actually work. I was thinking, like, maybe Cena fights Rusev again and loses. So Rusev, still strong. He brings back the European Championship. Okay? This is not... John Cena or Rusev, Rusev does? After okay, he loses okay. to Cena again. So then he says, oh, I'll fight only European guys. So he goes to, like, Cesaro. Neville. Sheamus. Neville. Barrett. Barrett. And then, like, at, like, Battleground, one of the people who's before SummerSlam, he goes, open challenge. Finn Balor comes out, beats him. I was going to say, Finn Balor beats him for the title at Battlegrounds. He goes on to face Cena at SummerSlam unification match, European Championship, United States Championship. I would love to see it's that. So over the top. Rus- Rusev should have brought back the European title, title months, months ago. ago. Exactly. Lot I think tweeted it out. She tweeted like a picture. Then she deleted it, and we're like, "Oh, is it going to be a spoiler?" And nothing ever came. Exactly. Of it, but that's so over the top. But that'd be nice for Finn Balor. But- yeah. Finn Balor's got to be in the main yeah, roster sooner exactly. than later. Bottom line, title or not, has to yeah. happen. But I like the scenario, though. Him versus um, Rusev, yeah, Barrett, Sheamus would be like great feuds. Yeah. Neville versus Sheamus at some point. Someone asked me the other day, I feel like it would be a great feud down the line. Neville, Balor, Zane, God forbid, it's got to be up here at yeah. some point. Kevin Owens, oh, jeez, I'm getting excited Seriously. for the future just thinking about it. But, but um, um, besides that, uh, at RJ underscore Marceau on the Twitter, shout-outs, Molly, Graham, Cam, whoever else. I don't really care. It's pretty late right now. Um, <laughs> besides that, excited for Tough Enough and can't wait for Extreme Rules. Extreme Rules, like I said before, is always really good. Also, I'm also, I'm still mad at WWE. They did not give Rey Mysterio his good goodbye speech. They gave AJ Lee one, but come on. <laughs> yeah. they, don't give, they don't even recognize it. Rey Mysterio left. But. <laughs> Hashtag where's Rey. They didn't even announce it on the website either. They didn't do anything. They're just yeah. like, He's gone, and then he killed a guy like two weeks later. <laughs> like he literally had no. They didn't Poor say guy. good luck for future endeavors. They just moved him from alum uh, roster to alumni page, and yep. didn't even recognize him on Raw. Poor guy. Poor guy gets released from his contract, <laughs> leaves his company, then almost kills the guy like a month later. Poor Ray Ray. Hopefully, you know. Best of luck in his future endeavors. Hopefully he goes. I suppose he's going to Lucha Underground. So yeah, I can see that. They're, I think they're taping this upcoming week or something. So that would be great. As long as he's back on TV in some form or fashion, it would be awesome. Because God forbid we know he's not going to TNA. Yeah. So Lucha Underground would be awesome. Yeah. But um, like I was saying before, next week WrestleRant Radio back here. You know, same time as always, nine Eastern time, eight Central time, live 365com backslash stations backslash ECTV seventy three. Talking all about Raw Who's Extreme Rules. Guests, I believe we're having on, I can't recall off the top of my head, but we do have guests set in stone for the next month or so before Hope we leave campus. Jacob. It is not Jacob. Oh, Jacob is great. No, Jake- I'm not going to be here next week. 
Are you not gonna be here next no, week? No, I have uh, I have something for. I have to go home for, like some like thing for work, so I don't be here. Oh crap! That's why I was hoping it was a good guess because I don't want to be here. Oh, that's what I'm thinking because I was thinking about this earlier because next week celebrates my seven year anniversary as a wrestling fan. April 14, oh 2008 God. was when I started watching. But what I was thinking was that either maybe not next week because you're not gonna be here, but or the week after. I have this Road to WrestleMania trivia game or something like this. I have yet to open it or something like that. And it has all it has over 750 trivia cards. You can play WWE trivia right here on the air. So either not next week, obviously, because you're not going to be here. But um, maybe the week after that or the week before that or after that because we're out of here. And I think about a month. I'm like that. I think our final show is the month. It's probably like a month from the day. Yeah, month. I think it's May 5th, 5th. is our final show. Yeah. Because the week after we're, that, we're gone. We're gone. Like, the last day of school is 11th. And then Shit, yeah, the then. Monday. Yeah, exactly. And I'll be here for that Monday to take an exam. God damn. I don't even know if I have to take an exam that day. Yeah, you might watch. not have to. be watching Raw from home that night. I might be traveling. Shit. But um, still, shameless plugs at WrestleRant on the Twitter, Facebook, Graham Juice, the Matthews, NextAirWrestling.net for the entire archive of WrestleRant Radio. Pro Wrestling Church for my articles there, Bleacher Report, What Culture, and all the other places. Make sure to check them out. Like I said, WrestleRant Radio next Tuesday. Thanks for joining us, folks, and we'll catch you then.